All right, friends, let's do this. <laughs> Welcome back to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjoski here, your host, uh, broadcasting live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Indeed, it is beautiful. It is optimal temperature outside, low 90s, sunny, uh, just the right amount of heat to warm you up upon leaving an air-conditioned room. So I am absolutely in my element. Friends, Jonathan Turley, who is a law professor out in D.C., uh, wrote a piece here uh, about the Durham report that dropped yesterday, 305 pages, condemning the FBI and its well, it's it's absolutely politically engineered investigation into Donald Trump that bogged down his presidency for almost its entirety, right, for four years. He wrote the piece uh, titled, Durham Report Condemns the FBI's Russia Probe. And then the part of the title here that irks me. Dash, right, there's a dash, quote, but don't expect it to make a difference, close quote. Friends, there will be no shortage of pundits on the right and on the left telling you that this probe that dropped, that this report detailing this incredible hoax, documenting, confirming everything we suspected as conservatives, about the FBI's targeting of Trump, about the first impeachment proceedings, confirming it was all a, 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 a hit job. Don't expect it, though, to turn into nothing. Because the most important thing you need to know is that I think that this has sealed, signed and sealed the death warrant of the FBI. I think it is a matter of time. I'll take you through everything you need to know about this, all right? So I just, you know, I, I, I will we'll go through everything here that, that is relevant and that is important that you need to know about what's in the report. But I'm just giving you the high level, you know, I'm jumping to the end of it here to let you know what is, is my takeaway, which is I think the FBI is screwed. I think at some point, someplace, somewhere, we will have a Republican president, whether it's Trump or somebody else. We're going to have a Republican House of Representatives and a Republican Senate. And the Republican president, Senate, and House of Representatives will do away with the FBI. They will remember this. We cannot, as conservatives, ever forget that the real election deniers, the real election interferers, are the Democrats and their pawns who, by the way, occupied some very powerful positions in this country, including uh, executive functions within the FBI, uh, which you know was uh, at least on paper the elite law enforcement agency of the United States of America, directly responsible to the Department of Justice, to the uh, – Attorney General, but but really, what was going on during during the early stages of the Trump presidency is that there were many many holdovers from the Obama years. These were die in the wool anti-Trump Democrats, and when the Clarion call came out to 
resist. Remember, that was the term. There was, in fact, a hashtag that uh, advanced this idea that there, you know, that it was, it's just unbelievable that a guy as obtuse, as racist, as crude, as disgusting, as repulsive. I mean, where do I end with the adjectives, right? These were all words that the left used to describe Trump, and they were incensed. They were fine having him as a certain-to-lose antagonist to Hillary Clinton. They were fine with Trump as a candidate. Now they weren't really, but they loved it. They thought this was a guy that was eminently beatable. And when he trounced Hillary, when he beat her into a pulp, when he, tr- <laughs> when he did the unthinkable by winning in 2016, the left went into a full-scale meltdown. Now, we conservatives, folks, we, we had some fun with it. You know, we made a lot of great memes. We passed around videos of the uh, gender-confused uh, woman in D.C. at the count of 12 when Trump was sworn in as president, wailing in a city sidewalk somewhere in Washington, D.C., I mean, we're still passing that video around because it was juicy material. I'm not going to lie. But behind all of it, something else was going on. And that was serious people that didn't look like demented trolls who didn't look like they were having an emotional breakdown were having those same feelings privately. They were having those same reactions among themselves. They were doing it with a, 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 a uh, well, I would say a, a, not just a modicum, but a significant larger amount of discretion. They were getting together in their stately apartments in New York City, but mostly in Washington, and having quiet conversations about what they would do to stop the orange menace. This is all in the report. Right? I mean, I'm not this this is not a monologue. I'm not just making stuff up here, pulling it out of thin air. I mean, it's all in the freaking report. I'm just adding some color here for you and putting it into context with what was occurring. Because we were we had our eyes on most of us conservatives, not me. I was calling all this out in the moment and um, and I was doing so live on air, but nonetheless. Most conservatives were just having a field day with all the haters, including Trump. He was playing around with it. He was posting these videos and whatnot, and he didn't realize that he was surrounded by an absolute cabal of ideologically driven and very motivated, highly motivated, and most importantly, powerful enemies. And they absolutely surrounded him from top to bottom. Now, these weren't just enemies of Trump's. Because in these collusive meetings, in these get-togethers, in these apartments, what were they saying? They weren't screaming. They weren't – maybe they were. I don't know. Perhaps there were some tears shed. But they were were sitting down, and they were having very serious high-level discussions about how they were going to stop Trump. And so it was, It was, of course, music to their ears when, even preceding the election, Team Hillary brought 
a completely unfounded, made-up BS dossier about Trump doing something with hookers on a bed. I'm not going to – this is a family program. You have kids in the car. I have kids in the car. I, I, I know what this is like. I'm not going to get – you know the story. You know what was alleged. And <laughs> any world, it would be totally absurd, right? Never happened. Trump never even stayed at the particular hotel. This has all come out now. Frontline agents investigating the story poo-pooed it. Yes, I think that's a great point. Yes, the frontline agents poo-pooed the pee-pee tape. It's, it's this absurd, folks. It's this absurd. But they got together and they conspired in how to throw every obstacle they possibly could at Trump in order to stop him from being an effective president. High-level people in our government got together and decided they would nullify our votes. I don't know how else more simply I can put this. Now, I will take you here after the break. I'll take you through the who, what, when, and how, and I'll give you the deets. But, uh, but the high-level view of this is, one, I expect it to make a difference. Don't let anybody tell you it's not going to. I think high-level Republicans who are smart, who are disciplined, who are looking at this uh, are, are, are realizing that the only way forward is to completely torch the FBI, burn it to the ground, and then rebuild it piece by piece with systems in place that prevent anything like this from happening again. So that's, that will be one lie, you know, one that will be one thing that occurs here. It won't happen right away, folks. It's going to take a little bit, but, but trust me. I, the FBI is done after this. But the other part of it is now we, we have to be aware what we're dealing with, and we cannot be so Pollyannish as we sometimes are as conservatives. We have to understand that the left, the opposition hates us. They loathe us. They think we're rubes. They think we're ignoramuses. They think that we are backwards, regressive folks. Edward Norton, TV star, movie star, what did he just say recently? It's not about being cons right or left, conservative or liberal. It's being about progressive, regressive. It's exactly the point. They think that we are, you know, living a hundred years in the past. And most importantly, they think that the means justify the ends. Whatever it takes to stop, stop this regressive agenda, we have to. We have to preserve progressivism at all costs. The hell with the Constitution. The hell with America. The hell with decency. The hell with justice. These loathsome a-holes are perfectly willing burning the country to the ground so they can achieve their political means. And, and you and I, we have to know that. We have to understand that. If we don't, we're going to get taken again, again, and again. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. I'll be back in a moment this hour brought to you by our friends at Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve lawyers that share your values. 
Back in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show, News Talk 840 KXNT. Ah. Oh. Yes, Sam Rajovsky here. I am, well, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time here digesting the report, Durham report that came out yesterday. I, uh, it came out right during the second hour of the show. And as a consequence, I, you know, I was, it, it's always tricky here doing a live program. I, I want to react and give you updates in real time. I also uh, want to be able to look at things and digest them and think about them and process them and get beyond just the headlines. So I, I you know, forgive me, yesterday's analysis was a little uh, short shrift. Uh, but nonetheless, I'll tell you, here's, the, here's what you need to know. Here's the, here's the crux of what was discovered, uh, or I would say confirmed. I don't think anything of this, any of this was discovered. Remember, Trump has been calling this thing a hoax from day one. I want to point that out. That's really important. Trump has been Trump has been calling out this this FBI investigation into him, Trump Russia, you know, collusion, whatever you want to call it. He, he's he's been he's been calling it what it is from the start. So this didn't discover anything, and I'm really I'm 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 bothered. When the media says, well, this is revealed, revealed. No, it's confirmed. It doesn't revealed anything. Trump and many of us felt all this stuff right along. So the FBI opened their investigation into Donald Trump with zero credible evidence. And they did it on behest of the Hillary Clinton campaign. They relied on investigative leads that were directly provided and funded by Trump's political opponents, right? These, these were uh, folks working for the DNC, people in the Hillary campaign. And then, as if that weren't bad enough, the FBI knowingly submitted sworn applications to the FISA court, this Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, that claimed that the information obtained from Christopher Steele had been verified now, Christopher Steele is a former British spy. He was working for Hillary Clinton's team. Now, the FBI was aware uh, that Steele compiled the dossier as an, as an opposition research piece for the Clinton campaign. They knew that this was designed and put together, compiled, and paid for by Hillary Clinton. And yet, guess what? They still took it and used it as a basis for filing sworn applications to a federal court. It is scandalous, to say the least. Now, Durham, in his report, writes that the FBI simply didn't have any actual evidence of collusion whatsoever between Trump's 2016 campaign and Russian officials. And and by the way... Do you remember how many times we were beat over the head by Adam Schiff? And, and, and I mean, I could 
well, of course, the Hillary Clinton campaign, but, but then after Trump became president. So I'm not so, I'm not, look, he ultimately won 2016. He could have won 2016 even bigger had this stuff not been coming out. But what this ultimately did then was throw, throw a bit of a monkey wrench into, into the rest of his presidency. You're, you remember that this was then the basis for the Mueller probe, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, yeah, so they, they took all this info that, that the frontline agents, the investigators, the, uh, the low-ranking you know, guys working at the FBI, agents working at the FBI that are actually going around and conducting interviews with people, they all knew this was hogwash. So they would bring it back to headquarters. They'd re- bring it back to FBI headquarters, and 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 they'd go to their bosses. I want to say the, the, the executives are on the seventh floor, but producer Robbie, you can verify that for me. But I, I think it's on the seventh floor. Nonetheless, they took it to whatever the floor is where all the head honchos sit, and the guys were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 we 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 don't don't we we're going to open a full blown investigation," and and even gave it a nifty name. The name was Crossfire Hurricane, and the probe was based entirely on, and here's the quote, raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence, which would absolutely uh, be inappropriate for opening an investigation into any U.S. citizen, let alone, of course, a sitting president of the United States. So the FBI basically went in, and without any appropriate objectivity any restraint launched a full-blown investigation into trump and this this pulled in a lot of uh folks you know that that were then that were then spied on by the fbi within trump's campaign we know there was communication by these fbi officials who had information that they obtained as a result of fisa warrants and they communicated information to political enemies, adversaries of President Trump. They gave this information to House and Senate leadership, Democrats on those committees. I mean, I don't even know where to, where, I mean, this is, this is so staggering and so disgusting and so vile. And the only reason it's getting a yawn from the mainstream media, they're going, ah, oh, nothing, nothing to see here, ah. Uh is because they hate Trump. And so what you're seeing today is a furtherance of the same symptoms that caused this whole thing to happen in the first place. Meaning what? Well, a lot of people who had careers in law enforcement, in the government, who swore oaths, to their respective offices and who swore oaths, more importantly, to the Constitution of the United States of America were perfectly willing to throw all of that away because Trump was so despicable. The ends justified the means. I keep, I'll keep coming back to that phrase because that's the takeaway here. These people thought that the ends justified the means. And we have to, we have to really, as conservatives and as Americans, we've got to put a pin in that. Because I don't care if it's COVID. I don't care if it's mass killings. I don't, guns, whatever. 
The ends never justify the means. You have to follow the Constitution. I'm going to get through more of this. I know it's dense, but it's important. You know everything going on. So I'll do that when we return from the break. Sam Rajofsky, you're listening to The What's Right Show. Be right back. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Former President Barack Obama said on Tuesday on CBS Mornings that the divided media was his biggest concern for the future of the United States. Let me, let me translate this for you as a common sense conservative. Uh, <laughs> do you think, you think for a minute that he really means that the media is divided? Or is what he's saying here actually, in effect, mean I really, as Barack Obama, you know, in his mind and voice, I really wish we lived in a world where there wasn't any alternative conservative media out there, that it was all the reliable folks that would keep the messaging on point, carry water for us, the Democrats, and not create division, confusion, and opposition to the Democratic Party agenda. That's, friends, what he's actually saying. Obama continues, the quote is, uh, the thing that I'm most worried about is the degree to which we've now had a divided conversation, in part because we've had a divided media. No, you, I'm, I'm tempted to call him a name. Hold me back here, folks. I'm tempted to be a jerk. This a-hole was the most divisive president. He was supposed to, he was billed as the great unifier. Do you remember this? Remember after Bush that Obama was going to come in and sing Kumbaya and heal racism? He's going to be the first post-racial president. And so many Republicans that I know were bought at hook, line, and sinker. I'm going to vote for Obama because I'm going to show the world I'm not racist. And he was the biggest race baiter on the whole planet. He ran roughshod over conservative. He didn't care what the he didn't care about crossing the aisle at any point. He didn't try to meet conservatives midway. It was during the Obama years that I looked around and I thought, okay, I think I understand what it means to Democrats to be bipartisan. It means we do what we want and, and, and the Republicans get in line or get the hell out of the way. What I always say is bipartisanship is when Republicans do what Democrats want, right? This is, and this is how you know, I don't know if he actually believes this. He probably does. Because, he, you know, when you live in a $20 million, $25 million house in Martha's Vineyard and you're in an echo chamber of a bunch of liberal elitists, you know, you do sit around and go, you know, I wish we just had a more erudite discussion or we didn't have all these. Dude, you know, I wish we didn't have every state, basically, between Massachusetts and California. 
the left loathes us. I always come back to this point, and I realize it over and over again. They actually think that we're despicable. And when you ha- when you look at the biggest mistakes Trump made in his f- first term, maybe he'll have a second, but I'll tell you, in his first term, his first months on the job is Trump was absolutely a fool for not realizing how much everybody hated him. Now, does he get it now? Yeah, I'm, yes, <laughs> I'm, I hope so. I would imagine. But in 2021, in January of 2021, he had no idea the forces that were against him. And he was caught completely flat-footed. One of the things that you have to remember is uh, if, if you had to trace the, the, the pivotal moment where it all went to hell for Trump in 2021, it would be the day that Jeff Sessions, former senator, now the attorney general for Donaldus Maximus, uh, getting a memo from within the uh, Department of Justice urging him to recuse himself because, of course, you know, he'd worked on the Trump campaign and there was all these, there were all these allegations that now we know because of the Durham report were totally made up, were falsified and were provided by Hillary Clinton. But he was nonetheless told, you were in the campaign. You're too close to this. You need to, you need to step away and recuse yourself. We need an independent counsel. And so what did he do? What did Jeff, Jeff Sessions do? Do? Well, I already talked about the pee tape, so I, I hate to get this uh, return back to the gutter here, but he literally crapped his pants, all right? He did the political and legal equivalent of dropping a deuce in the trousers. I don't know how else to put it. So he went, oh, I'm going to recuse myself. You're right, you're right. And the next thing you know, you had deep state lawyers writing memorandums and 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 they were and, and they were appointing, you know, Mueller, who, you know, was was basically like weakened at Bernie's. They just propped uh, uh, Bob Mueller up. And, you know, and, and then he uh, and then what? And then he hired a bunch of Clinton lawyers and Obama lawyers to run a, a jihad on Trump. And this is, this is this is what happened. So it's um, I, I I don't know I don't know I, it, it's very important to remember. And then what? Then for two years the Mueller investigation ran, tangled up a number of people, I think destroyed quite a few lives, and he um, and and it all came from yeah Rod Rosenstein that was the name. Rod Rosenstein, he was the deputy attorney general, and he's the one who wrote the letter appointing Mueller. And the Bob Mueller uh, uh, probe, as you know, was was an absolute disaster. And and setting aside all the lives that it destroyed, it it created a it was an all consuming headache. I can tell you this from from being in business, right? I've never been the subject that I know of of a criminal investigation. 
but I've been in lawsuits, you know, I've been in business lawsuits and I've, in fact, I've, you know, I've, I've been in some really hairy litigation and I, uh, uh, I bring this up because it has an effect to drag you down. It is emotional headspace, mental headspace, intellectual headspace that is very distracting. So when you're running a business, you want to focus on growing out the business. You want to focus on achieving your, your financial goals. You want to focus on developing employees, attracting employees. The list is endless, right, of all the things that you need to be doing as a business owner. So you're working at, the, at your desk, you're, and all of a sudden your lawyer comes in and says, sir, we have a, a problem here. You know, we got to respond to these interrogatory responses. And we got this problem, that problem, and this issue. And it's, it's a drag, to say the least. I'm really under, underselling this, I realize, but it's a drag. Now, when you're the president and you need to make numerous high-quality decisions every single day, and, and the lawyers are coming to you every 10 seconds with something that Bob Mueller's, you know, uh, Democrat lawyers, you know, are are pulling up on you, and you know it's all nonsense. How distracting is that? How much of what Trump tried to achieve between 2020 and 2024 was he not able to do? 21, excuse me, to 24. Was he not able to do as a as a result of this? How crazy did it make him? How reactionary did he become? It clouded his judgment. Sure, I mean, you're. I understand as president, you're not supposed to let any of that get to you. But no doubt, again, remember all the people here at the FBI, all the people on the Clinton team, all the people on Obama's team, all the players that participated in this. They all got together and they decided they would resist, right? They were going to resist Trump at all costs. And that's what they did. So I, um, and I, you know, one very important point in all of this is while they went after Trump with this bogus investigation, the same people protected Hillary Clinton from a legitimate investigation. The FBI required defensive briefings to be provided to Clinton and other officials or candidates who appeared to be the targets of interference. The FBI and DOJ, they literally restricted any investigation into the Clinton Foundation, restricted investigations into illegal foreign contributions to the Clinton campaign. They played interference. They played defense for Team Clinton and then threw a literally made-up stuff at Trump. I don't care if you hate Trump. I don't care if you're listening to this program right now and think Trump is the most despicable piece of garbage on the planet. This ought to boil your blood because unelected functionaries within the government bureaucracy cannot upend democratic votes of people. This is maximal election interference and every democrat that utters those words talking about january 6th and ignores this uh, isn't isn't worth having a conversation with i mean it's you, it is pearls before swine quite honestly friends got to take a quick break sam Merchowski here news talk 840 kicks and t the what's right show 
We'll be back. Giddy up, friends. Let's get to it. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. By the way, you can... Curious to see some stuff that uh, is not on the radio. Uh, some of my uh, my personal life I keep on Instagram, and I, I put up occasional photos. I use Instagram for just the, I don't know, the the human stuff. I don't get into too much, too much politics there. Uh, so that's What's Right Sam. What's Right Sam, Instagram, a little bit on Twitter, not very active. Uh, but then the show, What's Right Show, also Instagram and Twitter, find us there. That's where the political stuff is, uh, the content I think that you're looking for. But yeah, if you want to see photos of my kids and family, you can go on the What's Right Sam Instagram. That's the, that's the spot. Now, What's Right Show, it's here, it's live, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., and I, uh, what I try to do here is provide you some insight, local perspective, national and local news stories. Uh, it, it, folks, th- this, oh, I, and I'm, I, have to, I have to devote a bit of time to it. This, this report that came out, we knew all of this. This Durham report, 305 pages, confirming that the entire investigation into Trump colluding with Russia and the various offshoots, right, that, that, that spilled from there, that it was all a load of crap. That it was all nonsense. It was all fabricated. Now, it's important. Got to also know a little bit about all the players, the key people in this. Remember James Comey? James Comey, who was then the FBI director, who is now going around the country giving <laughs> – he wrote a book, right? So he's giving – lectures around the country about ethical leadership. Do you know how hard it is to do this program with traces of vomit in my mouth? <laughs> he literally the, he literally is the one who, who personally oversaw Crossfire Hurricane investigation to Trump. The New York field office, he called them, okay? He, the FBI director, calls the New York field office and told them to cease and desist from investigating the Clinton Foundation, you know, the nice group of, of uh, uh, I guess, M- Mother Teresa's over there who, were, who collected a billion dollars from various world governments, all as a part of helping humanity, but really it was a pay-to-play scheme of gaining access to the person who was presumed to be the likely next president in the United States. Comey, we now know, was briefed on the Clinton plan to take down Trump, pressured a guy named Kevin Kleinsmith repeatedly, agent there at the FBI, to get a FISA warrant on Carter Page, who was a, a guy working inside of Trump's campaign. Andrew McCabe, remember Andrew McCabe? He's the one who was Deputy director of the FBI became acting director after Comey got fired. He was then fired by AG Attorney General Jeff Sessions. He was leaking stuff to the uh, to the Wall Street Journal, misleading agents, liar, liar, pants on fire. Also pushed to get illegal FISA warrants on Trump people. 
FBI Assistant Director Peter Strzok. He's figuring prominently in this. And of course, we knew him and we know this name. Remember this guy? This is the guy who was stooping that uh, Lisa Page gal. They had texts going back to and forth. Remember this? Text back, Trump's never going to become president, right? Right? No, 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 he won't. We'll stop it. Peter Strzok, an FBI deputy assist, assistant director, we'll stop it. We'll stop Trump from being president. He texts his ladybird. This is all documented. By the way, this these texts back and forth, they came from the inspector general's report years ago. I mean, you'd think that these people would be in jail. This is scandalous. In another text that Peter Strzok sent to his girlfriend, Lisa Page, both in the FBI, quote, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, referring to uh, the deputy director of the FBI, who was then, then later became the FBI director. I want to believe that the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, that there's no way he gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take the risk. It's like an insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before 40, equating somebody's premature death, anyone's premature death, with Trump becoming president. Both, in their view, unlikely events, still something you insure against. Now, what was the insurance policy? All of this, this was the insurance policy. Take garbage fed to the FBI because people are lazy as, as all hell, so they didn't want to go out and find anything on their own. So they took stuff that was spoon-fed them by Hillary Clinton's campaign, repackaged it, and sold it as credible evidence. All over the protests of many frontline agents who looked at this and were like, this is nonsense. We're not going along with this. We also know that a number of these agents that, that voiced opposition to this were terminated or sidelined. This is all absolutely horrifying. So I'm, what my take again on it, I think that the FBI is done. I think that this, you know, there are people that are alive right now that are watching all this right now that might not even be someone that you are necessarily thinking of top of mind as a future leader in America, but they are taking notes and they are seeing the level of despicability and contempt for the Constitution and for their responsibilities as independent law enforcement officers. They're looking at what the FBI has done here. They're realizing that there's no other option but to absolutely disassemble this and start over. I saw, a, a, by the way, a quote from a tweet from Vivek Ramaswamy, one of the Republican candidates for governor. I mentioned him many times here before. He's still polling around 6%, probably not going to make the nomination this time around, but he's definitely a guy to watch. First thing he said when this came out, this is despicable. There's really no nothing that we ought to do except take the FBI and dismantle it and start over. I'm telling you, that is the consensus. If you are just going to put your head to the ground and listen to people who are uh, who who have a future as leaders in this country and Republicans 
with some resolve and some intelligence and some discipline. That is what they're all saying. Now, this might seem like stuff that happened six years ago, like it happened in the past, but the criminality of the deep state and its opposition to Donald Trump and its aid of Hillary Clinton, of Obama, and now Biden continues. There's been some revelations from the IRS uh, in relation to the investigation into Hunter Biden and staff working that investigation, more covering for the regime by people who are paid for by us, the taxpayer. And it's, it, I mean, it just, it, it defies. I, 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 it just, it is exactly as bad, if not worse, as you would expect. I'll tell you what this is about when we return. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends. Yes, it's not just the Durham report that dropped today detailing the abuses by the Democratic Party. Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and their uh, their willing minions in the deep state. Now we have news of the IRS playing defense for Hunter Biden. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Yes, 1 to 3 if you are unaware of our expanded time slot, uh, you haven't been listening for the past little while, and that's that's okay. Now you know you need to uh, tune in earlier. Now, you know Hunter Biden has some tax trouble. We know this because a whistleblower came forward and said, yeah, we have a full-blown uh, criminal investigation going on in Hunter Biden for unpaid taxes because, of course, this roughly $10 million might be even more, but... $10 million confirmed flowed through Hunter and entities that Hunter and his family members controlled, and it's not exactly clear if they <laughs> paid any taxes on it, if they paid adequate taxes on it. Remember, if you're getting money, if you're getting money for uh, consulting, for serving on a board, because we know those are the two uh, reasons given for these large payments from foreign powers, foreign governments, and foreign uh, companies uh, to Hunter Biden for his, of course, for his expertise. Y- you're going to have to. That's taxable income. Anything that you you can't expense against it is is money you're going to get taxed on. Depending on where you live, you're you're going to get taxed both by the federal government and by the state that you're living in if there's an income tax there. Now Hunter here, uh, the problem is Hunter has. Uh, it seems that he didn't pay adequate taxes, and that's why there's a there's a, a an investigation into it. And also, based on what the whistleblower has come forward and told congressional Republicans, there is enough there to charge him. But the Department of Justice, led by an attorney general, reports to the target of the investigation's father. <laughs> In case you're not following this, yes. <laughs> the guy, the people investigating Hunter report to a guy that reports to his dad. I don't know how else to put this. 
And when confronted about this, Joe Biden says, oh, but we're we're letting this investigation be run by the U.S. attorney in Delaware. And that guy was, look, we're fine because that guy was appointed by Trump. And, and my point back on that is, well, that sitting uh, attorney, U.S. attorney in Delaware can be fired tomorrow by the attorney general. So I have a question for you. We've all been there, right? We've all at some point in time had a boss. And I would even say, I would go as far as say, we've all had a job that we don't want to lose where we've had a boss. You want to piss the boss off by filing charges against his son? (laughs) I don't think so. Well, now the... Uh, word that has come down is the former chief of the IRS's criminal division said today that he was not aware of any instance like the one that just was reported last night where the tax agency removed the entire investigative team in charge of first son Hunter Biden's case. A guy named John Ford who worked at the IRS from 91 to 2020 So this is somebody who was there uh, in office during George H.W. Bush's presidency, Clinton's presidency, all the way through to, through Donald Trump. Worked as a special agent before becoming the chief criminal uh, investigation, chief of the criminal uh, investigation division 2017. He's nothing like this. Because what we're learning is that every single agent that was working on this case now has been fired, has been reassigned. Mr. Fort has said, quote, I spent 30, almost 30 years with the IRS criminal investigation. I'm not aware of a situation like this. But again, when I retired from the organization at the end of 2020, I was in charge of about 3,000 people, including 2,100 agents can't say with certainty whether or not that happened. Well, I'll tell you what's happened since 2020. There is no doubt that Biden has, through Merrick Garland, has shorn up support, loyalty, and adherence to his way of doing business in these agencies. Remember, he's bribing the FBI. He said, we're going to staff a whole lot more agents. We're going to get a lot more funding for you. But in turn, I need you to take care of me. And that's the part of the story people aren't realizing. You remember when, when, well, Biden's, yeah, Biden's out there for the little guy hiring all those, all those IRS agents to go after your Etsy accounts, to go after your, the money that you're making in your side hustle, just to barely, you know, just to catch up a little bit on the pain that inflation is causing your monthly budget. But yeah, they're going to come chase down that that money. And by the way, his son's getting away with literally non-payment of millions of dollars potentially in income taxes. And the agents investigating it all get fired. You know, I said it this morning on Alan. I was, uh, as I am every Tuesday, I'm Usually around 8.30, I'm on with Alan Stock, Vegas at 8, right here uh, on the station. And I, we were talking about this, and, and, and Alan, of course, was a little dejected and, and you know, felt that this, there was a lot of criminality going on that wasn't being, uh, what did I say, wasn't being, wasn't being prosecuted. And I, I, you know, and I, I told him, and I said, I, I mean, I wish I didn't 
feel this way. But I'm a lawyer. You know, I have a, I love this country so much. I think our constitution is one of the most perfect documents that was ever drafted in the history of the world when it comes to governance and law and order. And I'm at a place right now where I I absolutely believe there are two tracks of justice. We have a political party that is supported by a majority of the mainstream media. We have a political party that has its tentacles in the FBI, in the Department of Justice, in Hollywood, in, well, where else? The list continues. Institutions of higher learning, and, and, and not just, by the way, not just in undergrad programs, but in, in law schools, medical schools, business schools, that has churned out at least two generations of mindless twits, young people who think this country is evil, racist, despicable, and needs to be radically altered. Kids that know nothing about history, have no respect for their elders, for the past. This needs to be eradicated. By the way, this is my case for DeSantis. DeSantis understands, and hear me out on this, folks. He understands this better than anybody, but so does Trump, right? And so so do a lot of people. But DeSantis is the only one who has proven to me that he knows what to do about it. DeSantis is already fired in his capacity as governor of Florida to woke Soros-funded DAs. Candom, big brouhaha, big lawsuits, doesn't care. Honey Badger goes in there, you're done. Should I be making a shooting sound? Probably not, but you get my point. I'm fed up. He's the one shutting down funding to institutions. He's the one dictating to high schools what curriculum they can teach in AP courses. By the way, you know why you have to do that? Because I know there's a lot of conservatives out there. I know a lot of you out there think that this is overstepping and this isn't what conservatism is all about. And I am telling you, folks, I implore you to wake up and see what is going on around you. The left has, while you've been sleeping, while you've been thinking libertarian thoughts about freedom about equality used the right way, the original way. You've been thinking about live and let live. I get to do my thing, you do your thing. And I'm saying this because I used to think this way too. That was me. Let me do me, you do you. You want to go, you know, get married to a goat? Hell do I care. I hope the two of you are happy. Um, No, because the problem is that they're not happy getting married to a goat and being happy off on their own. They want to tell everybody how happy they are with that goat, and then they want to teach our three-year-olds about how happy they are with the goat and what all they do with the goat in the privacy of their own bedrooms. And I know this is a, a, a distasteful metaphor here, but that's what happens. You give them an inch, folks. You give them one little inch. They take the whole damn yardstick and beat our country over the head with it. And so the model the model is 
and and I get it, he's got faults, but DeSantis is do as governor of Florida, he's kicking ass and taking names. He's doing it absolutely right. You gotta go head to head with Disney. Oh, and he's not winning right away, and there's a fight and there's a lawsuit, and Disney scored some points. Doesn't matter. The point is he put his foot down. And that is what we as conservatives must do. That is the winning formula. There is no other way beyond this. I, I tell you, it's it's the God's honest truth, and I I I wish it weren't so. All right, all right. They're yelling at me. It's time to take a quick break. Yes, brought to you this hour of the What's Right Show by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust in Nevada. And beyond, 702-820-1234. I am, fair disclosure, the Sam of Sam and Ash. So, yeah, that's me. Great to be with you, and I shall be back here just after the break. Don't go anywhere. Well, this is fun, folks. Uh, Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Wanted to share this story with you really fast. So there uh, are some uh, sorority sisters uh, down in, uh, or up in Wyoming, at the University of Wyoming, who are suing the school for accepting a transgender woman into their group, um, alleging they live in constant fear in their sorority house. Seven women from Kappa Kappa Gamma filed a lawsuit against the university, and Artemis Langford is 21, six foot two, 260-pound man masquerading as a woman who joined their chapter in 2022. Now, Langford is referred to under a different name in the lawsuit. Uh, Apparently, um, they refer to the student as he and him in the lawsuit. Uh, But he is, of course, pretending to be a woman, and he's pretending to be he wants to be a sorority sister and they've allowed this to happen. Apparently, well, it gets weird. He's exposed himself in the house. Uh, some of the women have previously dealt with sexual assault. By the way, not at the hands of women, but at the hands of male perpetrators. They want to feel safe in a female-only space. And the whole thing has just uh, been a nightmare for them. I think about this and, yeah, I guess they watched the, the, the sorority sister, one of the sorority sisters, not going to name which one, but apparently she became aroused, erect, if you will, um, watching members of the sorority house uh, walk around. This is just... We've lost our common sense. We've lost it completely. To every parent listening, to every father out there, I implore you, I I understand that you may want to be compassionate for people dealing with stuff. I am compassionate. I truly am. And I would never single any one individual person uh, for ridicule based on Uh, what view they have of themselves, right? That's not the Christian thing to do. That's not the right thing to do, and that's not who we are. But allowing this 
type of sacrifice of our our of women and young women in particular and society for the sake of 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 not wanting to offend or in this and in most cases now run afoul of what we are told is politically correct and acceptable i think is uh, is ludicrous now we were joking producer robbie and i and i don't want to i don't want to out him too much here but we were uh, last week we were joking because I, I I frequently like to tell the parable of the the boy uh, and the emperor. You know the story, right? The emperor has these charlatans making his robes for him, the lavish robes, and they they make you know they get the, the they get paid a ton of money, but they produce nothing, and they dress him in uh, the emperor who is naked dress them in beautiful uh, raiments and describe them in glowing terms. But really, in effect, they're, they're, they're not doing anything. And, and no one will stand up to the emperor because they don't want to be ostracized. They don't want to be punished. And so everybody who walks in goes, oh my goodness, those beautiful clothes that you're wearing. What exquisite garments your majesty you're wearing. Until what happens? A little boy comes in and says, um... Uh, my gosh, why is the king naked? <laughs> right? And then somebody turns around and says, oh my goodness, you're, you're, you're right. Just, my God, the king is naked. The king. And, and the, you know, the emperor, the king, whatever the, the ruler is, runs, you know, uh, turns beet red and realizes he himself is in fact naked. And the story is, I mean, this, these are the stories, by the way, this is about as graphic as a story got when I was in the third grade, okay? They weren't giving us books with picture tutorials on how to give a guy a blowjob. Oh, by the way, when Republicans want to ban those books, they're called book burners and Nazis and fascists. Okay, now don't forget that. Every time they talk about that, that's what they're referring to. But I want to get off, off track here. So, you know, that story right there, you know, we were, we were joking about it. Robbie, of course, quipped that the new book, you know, today in California would be the Empress has no penis. We we giggled about it, of course, because uh, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that's that's kind of on the nose, if it's uh, if you'll permit me to say that. But the the real the real takeaway here is is that we need to allow common sense back in, and I think it needs to it needs to take a handful of us to just say enough is enough. The idea of having a man in a sorority house is absurd. It would be a, it would be a funny, like a, maybe not funny. It would be a, some kind of a weird movie back in the 80s. To call it progress of allowing that to happen, right? To call that a step forward, to call that progressive in the, in the true strict definition of the word is idiotic. <laughs> it's not. It's actually regressive. Progressivism as it exists today is actually very backwards. We are moving back in time in a way that actually harms the majority of people for the sake of a small but militantly vocal minority of folks. That's not how this works. A democracy is a democracy. 50% plus one. 
And the problem is, is that three, four, whatever you want to call it, 1% of people out there have uh, cowed, if you will, have beaten down a majority of us into going along with their nonsense. This is a sorority girl with a penis. I don't know how else to put it. It is what it is. And I wouldn't want my daughter in that house. Would you want yours? That's a legitimate question. And if your answer is, well, no, I I wouldn't want that. I don't like that. That's not what I want. Don't let them tell you that you're a bigot. Don't let them call you a transphobe. Don't let them put you down for having traditional notions of what's right and wrong. Because this stuff is wrong, and we have to stand up for for our society. We're, we're, We're up a creek, let me tell you. All right, news up next. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show with me, Sam Rajofsky. We'll be back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Marichovsky here, reporting for duty. No, I've... I've been on duty here since one and loving every moment of it. Um, uh, speaking of books, right just before the break, talking about our need to stand up to this liberal insanity, I saw a headline. I think this was in the Jerusalem Post. I didn't uh, print this with the usual headers, but it's in my stack of stuff from yesterday. I didn't get to it yesterday, but I want to share it with you today. Because no doubt some of you have seen this particular headline and were appropriately concerned by it. This is about DeSantis. There's a picture of DeSantis here. I also uh, uh, find particularly objectionable the fact that DeSantis is waving with his right arm, which I think the Jerusalem Post is trying to maybe give him some imagery as if he was giving a salute of sorts. The title of the piece here, Florida Rejects Holocaust-Ed Textbooks and Clamp Down on Woke Instruction. Now, I read this headline, and let this be a lesson to all of us. Headlines are tremendously misleading. I read this headline, and of course, I, I, was, I thought this was not a good thing, <laughs> Right? Because I think young people ought to learn everything about the Holocaust. They ought to learn also about the Ukrainian Holodomor. They ought to learn about Stalin. They ought to learn about Pol Pot. They ought to learn about Castro and not just about Che Guevara and how cool he looks on fun t-shirts. So, um, no doubt the Holocaust is important as a topic of, of instruction. So I was I thought, well, what is this all about? Can't be, right? DeSantis, I know DeSantis. He's not a guy that is removing Holocaust material from classrooms. So I printed out the news story, threw it in my stack of stuff, and read it. Under the headline, the piece in the Jerusalem Post continues. DeSantis has advanced Holocaust education while also enabling parents to effectively remove Holocaust literature that they don't like from stool libraries. Okay, so He's helping advancing Holocaust education, but also 
He's telling parents they can remove it if they don't like it. Hmm. Also a little suspicious. So I then read on. Florida's state education department, you see, has just recently rejected two new Holocaust-focused textbooks for classroom use. Okay. The books were rejected as part of a broader review of new K-12 social studies material. According to documents provided by the state, the education department did not approve any new texts on the Holocaust this year. Okay. So what are these books about? One of this year's rejected Holocaust textbooks was called Modern Genocides. And the other was an online learning course titled History of the Holocaust. Modern Genocides was rejected in part for its discussion of special topics, including social justice. Oh, now I get it. You see, Republicans, conservatives, America, so racist and so socially unjust that it is in effect at the level of the the Holocaust, the systematic extermination of more than 6 million people between 1938 and 1945. Yeah, that's BS. That's absurd. And by the way, the Jerusalem Post ought to be ashamed of itself for putting this kind of garbage out there. How dare they criticize a governor of the United States who thinks it's despicable that American social justice be equated, right? That victims of racism in America be equated to victims of the Holocaust. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, that's woke indoctrination. Yes, damn right, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be teaching our kids that <laughs> that anything that we've done in the last 100 years comes close to the scale or magnitude or or anything or spirit of the Holocaust. This is absurd. Yeah, so I guess critical race theory and whatnot. So this this, this is um uh th- this to me now it all makes sense, right? Now the article does point out that the world's tallest electronic menorah lights up the South Florida skyline at the sixty-story, seven hundred foot tall, ultra futuristic Paramount Miami. Okay, there. So Florida, you know, do you know? How, I. I I I'm I'm beyond I'm beyond disgusted by this. And it goes to show you that some people, particularly whoever wrote this here for the Jerusalem Post, is more concerned about playing gotcha on DeSantis than they are about protecting the memory of the Holocaust. Right? You would think that that was a top priority. This is this is back to it. This is exactly how DeSantis wins, right? Is winning in Florida. I'm not talking about the political race itself. By the way, some polling numbers came out recently. Uh, Trump is uh, even more ahead. I think something like 43 points. But I'm talking about just getting the job done, right? I have a real serious question to ask anyone who thinks that these books are good to have, who think that 
critical race theory is appropriate for kids. Tell me any other country in the world that teaches their young people to hate the country that they live in. It doesn't happen. You're not taught in school how despicable your country is. I mean, I I suppose, by the way, speaking of the Holocaust, I suppose I have to remind myself a little bit about this history. I, I, I know that following World War II, there was very intense state-sponsored denazification of Germany, appropriately so. And I know in, in that context, there was a very frank history taught of what occurred in that country and the fanaticism that gave rise to Hitler and, 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 and the atrocities uh, committed in his name. But that's a very different thing than hating being taught to literally rewrite the origin story of your country, of your nation, which is, of, of course, what these CRT people are doing. I mean, can't even, you know, can't even give us the year of this country's birth. Oh, it started when our first slaves arrived here. I'm so, okay, thanks for that. Not helpful because the founding of this republic the drafting of the Declaration of Independence and ultimately the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the singular moment in our, in, our, in our history and frankly in the history of the world. But America cannot be great if our young people repeatedly are told that it's awful. Now, I believe the left knows what they're doing. I believe that the CRT crazy people know exactly what they're up to and what the purpose of this propaganda is. They know that if they poison the youth, if they poison the, uh, the roots of the tree, the, the, whole, the whole thing will come down. And that's what they want. They want to destroy this country. The problem is they are so stupid, so naive, so dumb. They don't understand what a phenomenally evil world this is. They don't understand that we have enemies at our doorstep who are just waiting to swallow us whole. They've never been in a place where they've actually faced any adversity. The liberals that walk the earth today have no idea what real adversity is. Most of them, not a clue. They cry about racism. They bitch about transphobia and all this nonsense. They complain endlessly. But they have never once in their lives, in their lives, been sitting at a table like my parents were in a country that got invaded by a foreign power. They've never faced a moment like that. And sometimes all you have as a country when you're facing a moment like that is some degree of pride in your state some degree of certainty in your border, some degree of love for your country. These are such powerful things that can, they can make the difference between success and failure. Everyone predicted Ukraine would fall. By the way, we conservatives get hung up on the fact that Ukraine is corrupt and, and the guy leading it is a, is a, a former comedian and and they played games with Biden and Obama and all this stuff. I get it. But let me just, let me, let me reduce this again to a, a very important essential point. 
Ukraine is Ukraine in the early days of the war survived the war because they had national unity. Their homeland was being invaded. Their kids were taught to love their country. And the war, by the way, as best as I can tell, has only increased that love and gotten ethnic Russians in the country to denounce their, their, their origins and plead, pledge allegiance to Ukraine. I get it. I understand that. Nobody's obsessed with what bad things Ukraine did in the past. They're not sitting around teaching their kids about their, their I mean, we're, we're talking about it a lot. Oh, look at those Ukrainian Nazis over there. Or their country literally getting bombed and invaded by a neighboring state. My only point in all of this is that it could happen to us. We don't understand what real adversity is. And our country will be ripe for the taking if we teach another couple more generations to hate it. Trust me on that. All right, I'm going to take a quick break here. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Common sense, yes, common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, right here from 1 to 3 p.m. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back. All right, the What's Right Show is back. Final minutes here as we near the top of the hour. And uh, I want to get to this uh, before I go. Uh, There was a piece in the Hill where the writers here suggest that the appearance at the CNN town hall meeting, Donald Trump's appearance last week, was uh, his best campaign moment so far. And they are absolutely right about this. What is uh, incorrect, however, is suggesting that a number of mainstream media sources have called it this way. Now, the piece, uh, as it's uh, referred to in Breitbart, says the mainstream media continues to acknowledge Donald Trump's impressive victory. I think what they mean is everybody that's out there screaming about how awful CNN was to give Trump a voice are, in effect, acknowledging how effective he was. But the memo, a regular column by The Hill, associate editor Niall Stanage, rounded up comments from Trump allies, Trump foes, and even prominent on-air talent, recognize that uh, this did no damage to Trump and, in fact, helped Trump and had perhaps an increase effect of his popularity. I I told you this. I thought this from the get-go. I thought it was an incredibly effective performance. And it was, by the way, this... Well, this is Trump derangement syndrome for anyone at CNN who thought they were going to play gotcha with that lightweight woman that was asking questions. Was it Caitlin Collins? Total lightweight. So Caitlin's up there going, oh, you, you just said this and you said, you said that. And Trump's just like, psh, psh. <laughs> no, by the way, here's the timeline. And this is how it happened. And he looked powerful. He looked in command, stark contrast, may I add, to Biden, who's fumbling his way uh, to and from podiums where everything has to be scripted, where he's got note cards and cheat sheets, where he can't even properly read off the teleprompter. At least Obama, right? He, you know, he wouldn't go anywhere with his pro- without his prompter. Everything was on script, but 
he did a good job of making us believe that he was, you know, just kind of winging it. But, but, but Biden is, so, so the, the, the contrast there, right, is significant. I think that played into it. But I think that we're starting to now a week, week out, we're starting to realize that this was a net positive for, uh, for Trump. Now, all these stories coming out about Trump getting railroaded by, uh, well, Hillary, uh, Comey, the FBI, uh, McCabe, uh, John Brennan, uh, the hits just keep coming. And I, I, but those, I think, help Trump and put wind in his sails because many of us, uh, I will say this, I think there's a, there are a number of Republicans out there ready to move on, but we're so also at the same time incensed over <laughs> over the mistreatment that Trump got uh, that we're we're put in a position where we have to defend him, right? And that's part of this, right? There's what happened to Trump cannot be allowed to happen to any other Republican in the future. And don't think it wouldn't. Just because they all hate Trump and have their sights focused on Trump right now, just because they hate him so bad that they never saw that this for example, I say Trump derangement syndrome because it clouds people's judgment. I mean, the folks at CNN actually thought that this town hall that they did would make him look bad. And what they didn't realize is that that it's it's them that's out of touch completely. So, I you know, Monday, May 15th, Trump was up 38 in one poll and 56 in another. Today, May 16th, Trump is up 28 uh, national, sorry, the Kentucky uh, presidential, Republican presidential, Kentucky, okay, Trump is up 56. But national poll numbers, Trump's up 38. Uh, Republican presidential nomination today, uh, Trump is up 24. So I saw 43 somewhere. Was that, I saw 43 somewhere. It, 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 it's not, that's not the case here. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't see that poll right in front of me in my in my poll aggregators here that I that I follow, so I can't tell you for for for, for sure what that is. But it was, folks, it was an effective uh, performance, and it, and and he continues like that. He has a gift. It's a it's an incredible talent of communication and 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 having a command of of language, making things simple, communicating what he needs to communicate, being being absolutely fearless and targeting anyone who is asking him questions he doesn't let the other side lead him into an answer if if he knows he knows these people like the back of his hand and at the same time i i would say again do not count desantis out there was an interesting piece i think i saw it in the new york post and let me see here yeah it was uh pierce morgan today title of the piece don't write off DeSantis he's been rope-a-doping Trump and it's about to and he's about to come out swinging I don't know about him rope-a-doping Trump but got into this the piece starts with some Muhammad Ali George Foreman reference you know big 1974 fight but but you know but he's he is right he is right in the sense that DeSantis really hasn't done much yet except govern and I would tell you this, govern effectively. DeSantis has just laid down a, a blueprint of how Republicans ought to conduct themselves around the country. 
you've got to fight the culture war because if we lose the culture war, and I, I really, I'm going to say this again and again, Republicans that say don't get bogged down in the culture war, that prominent Republicans say that. Uh, big money donors, there's a lot of, I don't want to get bogged down in the culture war. If you lose the culture war, you lose the country. Back to what I was saying last segment. You've got to fight this fight. One thing that Trump has over DeSantis, and this is me just this is I'm 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 trying to be dispassionate here and and give it to you straight. Trump is the more superior, more confident communicator. Now what DeSantis has is he has discipline. And you know, Trump will fight dirty. DeSantis, no doubt, will fight dirty too. This is going to be a, a hell of a campaign. If if DeSantis enters the race, I, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be brutal. But again, I wouldn't count I wouldn't count DeSantis out one bit. But Trump, by the way, doing quite well himself. So it's going to get interesting for sure. All right, friends, the hour is up uh, as per usual. This was brought to you. All of this. Thanks to Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. If you get hurt, it's the only firm to call. Don't trust any of the other guys. Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. All right, friends, find us on the podcast, What's Right Show, wherever you get your podcast. And I'll be back here tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Be safe out there.